Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Worldviews have to work. Today on City of God, we talk about socialism. Can you actually live by this system? In previous weeks, I have recorded a podcast uh, from a more intellectual angle on socialism. In other words, trying to quickly examine the basic claims of socialism and ask whether those claims are borne out in actual history. Today, I want to ask a different question. Are the key champions of socialism in our time actually abiding by it and living according to it? Recently, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made headlines because she's making a lot of headlines today. In, in this particular news cycle, around uh, February 19th, she made headlines because her living residence came out in public. In other words, reporters uncovered where Ocasio-Cortez lives and compared her residency to different statements she has made about living conditions in America. Here's what Cortez said last March, according to the Washington Examiner, a report by Alana Goodman. We need to kick luxury real estate lobbyists to the curb and defend working people's way of life. Skyrocketing cost of living is a national crisis, Ocasio-Cortez said, that can be addressed. It's not just a New York City issue. It's happening in every U.S. metro area. Okay, that's strong speech, as you can tell. This is anti-luxury real estate speech. But she continued, it's time we stand up to the luxury developer lobby. Every official is too scared to do it, Ocasio-Cortez intoned, except me. That last bit was from a speech last April. So here's the deal. The most famous young socialist of our time, I believe she's not even 30 years old yet, she's making daily headlines, uh, has been very clear about the fact that skyrocketing cost of living in America is essentially a national crisis. And at the core of this problem in the urban context are luxury real estate developers who are driving up housing costs in markets like New York City and beyond. So in other words, Ocasio-Cortez is the figure who is here to take on luxury real estate developers and take them down. There is just one problem. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, according to The Examiner and other outlets, lives in a luxury apartment complex. This complex, on its website, according to Goodman, vows to take luxury apartment living to a higher level. Do you want to know what amenities Cortez's apartment complex, which is unnamed for purposes of her privacy and safety offers, let me give you just a few. There are two private massage rooms with state-of-the-art hydrotherapy beds in her luxury apartment. There are men's and women's saunas. There is a full-scale demonstration kitchen with a wood-fired pizza oven. Now you have my full attention, wood-fired pizza. Mm. A 25-meter indoor lap pool, a rooftop infinity pool, with views of the Capitol, and uh, a Peloton cycling studio with not just one Peloton bike, that's expensive enough, there are over a dozen Peloton bikes, 
There is a fireside lounge featuring a Steinway and Sons piano. Can you imagine how expensive that is? There's a PGA-grade golf simulation lounge with a wraparound screen and viewing bar. So in other words, you can log on to this uh, simulator somehow and you can play virtually at dozens of the world's best golf courses. How much, though, you ask, does one apartment cost per month in this building, the building in which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez lives? Rents start at $1,840 per month for a 440-square-foot studio, and rates go all the way up to $5,200 per month for a three-bedroom apartment. As I say, all this information is covered and laid out by Alana Goodman in her Washington Examiner piece, Poor People Not Allowed in AOC's Luxury Apartment Complex. Why talk about this? Uh, to, to throw scorn at a public figure? No, listen, there are many uh, public leaders, politicians, celebrities, entertainers, uh, intellectuals who live nice lives. Um, I personally do not wish to go on record and declare myself as having a problem with that, within bounds, of course. There's all sorts of biblical and theological concerns that we would need to walk through in order to properly chart a a right Christian handling of wealth and of money and these sorts of things. We would be uh, well served in doing that and in undertaking such an exercise. That is not my purpose today. My purpose today is simply to say this. You need to live consistently according to your life philosophy if you want the rest of us to take you seriously. This is true for every worldview. This is true for every belief system. This is true for every philosophy. If you are going to bring a certain set of ideas to the public square, then your first order of business is actually not to craft the best form of those arguments. It is to make sure that you are living consistently with your arguments. In other words, I am going to have great and justifiable difficulty taking you seriously as you promote your ideas, as you promote your body of thought, if you yourself do not live by your body of thought, let's sharpen the point. If you yourself live the opposite vision of what you are selling in the public square, that is a massive problem for you. The problem, as I say, is not first in how your thought breaks down. It's not in how people have historically lived according to your system in different countries across the world. It's not in the broader intellectual debate uh, between your key theorist and the key theorists of other systems and philosophies. All of that matters tremendously, and we should go all of those different places as we sort out beliefs and worldviews and life philosophies. So don't misunderstand me. But actually, the first test of a system is the test of consistency. Logical consistency, yes, but also personal consistency. So if somebody comes along, a veritable white knight, astride a resplendent horse, and tells us that society and culture needs saving, we are going to need, in paying attention to that figure, to think through not merely what they say, not merely the, the outworking of their claims, but actually, firstly, we need to see if this person lives according to their system. Because living according to your system is not just a matter of your own personal ethics and scruples and morality. Whether or not you live according to your system, particularly when you are doing well in life, 
tells me whether your system is one that people are going to want to inhabit or not. If you are selling me a, a thought system, a philosophy, uh, a, a, a form of belief, and you are happily ensconced in it, that does not necessarily mean that it is right to be sure, to be very sure. It does mean, however, that you have passed at least one form of the cons- consistency test, your own personal consistency. You are living according to that philosophy. You seem pleased by that philosophy. That has my attention. I will now proceed to think through your claims, reason them out, test them in terms of history, weigh them against scripture. All these sorts of things will ensue. If, on the other hand, you are selling me a very stringent and strenuous code of action, of behavior, if you are telling me that it is wrong for luxury apartment developers to go into urban markets and charge people exorbitant uh, monthly rents of the kind that Ocasio-Cortez's developer very much is doing and that she very much is paying, then you have my full attention as to whether you are living according to your system. To put a fine point on this, if you're telling me that luxury developers are the problem and you live in a gorgeous, gleaming facility developed by a luxury apartment uh, designer, then I have serious concerns as to whether you are able to pass the personal consistency test. This is the problem over and over again with socialism and communism. We hear from various proponents of collectivism that their system is all about lifting up the poor, all about returning power to the people, power to the masses, down with the greedy rich, let's get capital, let's get the means of production, let's get money, let's get agency back into the hands of the common man. That sounds so good. That critique of wealth has found an audience in the West now for just about 200 years. It's a very common critique. People, in particular, uh, people who are not privileged and do not have great wealth, resonate, at least many of them, with this kind of message. They want to see society leveled. They want to see greater equality. They are willing to at least give a hearing repeatedly throughout Western history in the last 150 to 200 years to those kind of figures who make this kind of case. People are in different countries across the globe willing to follow leaders who not only say these things, but who try to enact these philosophies in actual space and time in the political system. But here is the deal. If you're talking about Stalin, if you're talking about Chairman Mao, and today, it appears, if you're talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it is very easy, shockingly easy, to say one thing and live another. It is easy to decry the wealthy and to speak against ostentatious wealth. It is another thing to turn away from riches and ostentatious wealth and the trappings of power when they are within your grasp. Ocasio-Cortez makes $174,000 a year, according to public record. This is a woman who is, in many senses, wealthy by virtue of her congressional salary. We need to recognize that we have to first perk our ears at 
what people are saying and then quickly examine not just how their system plays out in, uh, in terms of the application of conclusions and principles and then how, it, how, it's going to, how it's going to be evaluated in terms of actual history. We need to think about whether the proponents of systems actually live according to them. Let me close with this. If you say that you think the free market is evil, but you live as one who benefits tremendously from the free market, that is a self-defeating public claim. If I'm being told that it's evil to live a life that reaps the fruits of capitalism, as it's often called, better term, free market, but then the one who is telling me this himself or herself is living wealthily in a very free market-driven way, that has serious implications for just how seriously I can take their claims, their system, their worldview. We're reminded of the need here to be skeptical about all things, save for the claims of Christ, save for the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. If you know that principle, you are set up to spot the truth and to separate the truth from a counterfeit. And friends, there are many counterfeits on hand. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today.